So today is Trinity Sunday, which means, uh, as I said at the start of the service, we're thinking and focusing on God, the Holy Trinity. And so I thought I'd spend some time today uh, doing some theology with you. So are you up for some theology today? Great. Thank you. I love the enthusiasm. Um, I, uh, I tried to do some theology at nine o'clock, um, but I discovered, um, I mean, I knew it already. I discovered that the pitfall of trying to do theology at nine o'clock is you cannot uh, fully explain the Holy Trinity, Holy Trinity in seven minutes. Um, so I'm going to take a bit longer now, but I'm not going to be able to fully explain the Holy Trinity in 20 minutes either. Um, really, it needs several seminars and sessions. Um, but what I want to do is, uh, first of all, take a look at the reading, because um, your first question might be um, not how do I explain the Trinity, but why does it matter? Why does it matter? We talk a lot about Trinity in the church. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we've still got, and I think we'll keep up for the summer as, as is our tradition. Um, well, we've done it for five years, so it's a long-standing tradition now. We keep up the Pentecost colors uh, for the summer and we'll change in the fall to uh, ordinary time green. Uh, but we see the Pentecost flames here reminding us of the spirit coming into the church, into uh, the world. Um, all those years ago. And so we understand that the Holy Spirit is with us now. The reading that we hear today, um, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. I mean, that's pretty much what I've just said about the Trinity, isn't it? I've got a lot more to say to you, more than you can now bear on a Sunday morning. But anyway, he's talking about the Spirit of truth who will come and will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. We know um, that uh, the Trinity is an extremely important doctrine in the life of the church. We've sung about it this morning. We sang King of Kings and we sang Praise the Father, Praise the Son, Praise the Spirit, three in one. It's reinforced in our songs. We sang, uh, we sang the Apostles' Creed this morning. That was the second song. If you think the words were familiar, it's because they were. That was the Apostles' Creed and a modern uh, rendition of, uh, of the words there. Um, and... So we know that the Spirit, the Father and the Son and the Spirit are important to the life of the church. Um, and the Trinity isn't explicitly mentioned in the Bible. Um, the, the closest we get is in Matthew 28 where Jesus says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says more than that, but baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we see the importance of the Trinity in the establishing of the church and in the... Um, in the evangelization of the world. And so in readings like the one we've had today, we can see the, the relevance of Trinity because we hear uh, Jesus talking about all that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and, um, and, and all of the three persons of the Godhead uh, give us different ways into understanding God. Um, but one of the things is, I don't know, just raise a hand, I won't ask you to tell me what it was, but raise a hand if you've ever heard an illustration of the Trinity before. And uh, probably if you've heard an illustration of the Trinity before, uh, it may have fallen into uh, one of the great heresies um, that, uh, that have come about through the time. Like St. Patrick, you know, he had the three-leaf clover. Have you heard that one? 
and he said that, um, that God is like a three-leaf clover as he was evangelizing all of Ireland because the clover has three leaves and, and the three are, the, three are um, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and they're all on the same clover leaf, but they're different. Well, the problem with that analogy, like most of them, is they break down at some point because um, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are of the same substance, but they are different. Um, and the implication with the clover is that they could change from one leaf to another. So I have a diagram for you, um, and uh, I'm going to draw it on here. So today's the day if you're at the back, you wish you bought your glasses. Um, so we've got a triangle, which is God. Now, don't misquote me. I'm not saying that God is a triangle. People say you can't put God inside a box. You can also not put God inside a triangle. Uh, but the thing about the triangle is, with the three sides, uh, we know that a triangle is the strongest shape. Uh, as you drive across the Golden Ears Bridge and are grateful that there are no tolls anymore, and you look to the side and you see the triangular shape of the, um, of the cables. You know the ones I mean? Uh, you're probably all looking forward on the road, but if you ever are a passenger and you look to the side, you'll see lots of triangle shapes. We know that triangles are the strongest shape. If we look around the building, we can see triangles everywhere. Basic engineering, triangles are strong. Uh, God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, there is a, a strength in that image of the triangle. Um, you can't take away any, any side of the triangle and still have a triangle. Uh, you need all the three sides and the three angles. Um, but without getting into too much engineering detail, because um, I am not an engineer, um, I'm going to put Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we understand God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this diagram, if you've seen it before, you know what I'm going to do, um, but we know that God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Son is God. The Father is God. And they are different. So, On the circles, I'm writing is not. Because the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. So uh, this is about the best diagram that I know of to explain the Trinity. I'll leave it at the side, and you can take a photograph of it. You can learn it if you want to. And then at lunchtime, when someone says, did you learn anything interesting in church today? Because I'm sure you have those conversations at lunchtime. You can say, as a matter of fact... Go and find an envelope and draw on the back of the envelope a diagram explaining the Trinity and then see if, they, uh, see if it works. No, don't do that. You'll turn them off. Um, God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So if you're a visual person, that diagram might help. Um, any visual people here? Is that vaguely helpful? No, nobody found it helpful. Wow, okay, all right. Well, we'll scrap that, um, and I will use a different analogy if I come over to the piano. Um, so the other analogy for the Trinity, and apologize if you can't see me properly because the lectern's in the way, um, but you can still hear me. 
can you can you hear that? Marcus is going to unmute it, I think, and then. Did, did you hear those chords? And I'm changing color. Wow, look at this. Um, so, one of the ways to understand the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is like a chord on a piano. Um, because if you take the C chord, you have the C, you have an E, and you have a G. The C, the E, and the G all make up the C chord. When you play them on their own, they're each individual notes. The C, if you look at the diagram, is not an E. The, the E is not a G. And yet, when you play all three together, you get a C chord. And when you get the C chord uh, all together, you hear in the same space in church right now, you can hear those three notes are filling the space. The sound is one. Each of those chords, each of those notes in the chord will tell part of the story of what a C chord is. But if you just had two of them, that doesn't sound as full as when you have three. Okay, I could do that all day. Um, is that helpful? Okay, thank you. So, two different ways to help understand theologically the Trinity. Um, I was at um, a service for the closing down of St. Columba's Anglican Church in Pitt Meadows on um, Thursday night. And there's a lot of churches closing um, around, and uh, that is one of them. Um, and we sang the song, Christ has made the sure foundation, which is an old hymn. Just raise a hand if you remember, Christ has made the sure foundation. And there's different translations of the hymn. Uh, it dates from the 7th or 8th century. And the translation that, that I knew um, was one that specifically wanted to make sure that the doctrine of the Trinity was explained in the last verse. That's not the one in the Anglican Church of Canada's um, hymn book. Uh, it's, the words have been changed. But in the original version, it went, Lord and honor to the Father, Lord and honor to the Son, Lord Lord and honor to the Spirit, ever three and ever one. God is ever three, always the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and yet always one. We believe that, that God as Trinity existed from the beginning. And in the hymn, it then reinforces it with a couple of brilliant theological words, uh, which you probably sung and at some point wondered what they meant, consubstantial, co-eternal while unending ages run, is how it finishes. Consubstantial, which means, um, if you're playing Scrabble later, I dare you to use consubstantial in Scrabble. Consubstantial of the same substance. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are of the same substance, of the same essence, of the same stuff. They are all God. And yet, ever three, they are all three different persons of God. Consubstantial, co-eternal, uh, wonderful words that they've erased from the hymn and put something else in there, less theological, uh, that's easier to sing. So you might be thinking, okay, well, there's a diagram that wasn't that helpful, there was some music that wasn't that helpful, and what's the point of it all anyway, David? Um, the point is it's a test, actually, for the clergy uh, to see if we can manage to get through Trinity Sunday and not... Uh, give any heresies that would get us fired. Um, so hopefully I haven't said anything that's a heresy there. Uh, that was a joke. Uh, hopefully there's no heresy. Um, 
But the point is, Augustine said that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one in mind and one in love. So if you're not into diagrams or music, maybe the poetry of Augustine will do it for you. God is one in mind and one in love. So the Father, the Spirit, and the Son aren't trying to do different things. They're one in mind and they're one in love. Different expressions of the love of God. God the Father, the creator of all. God who is almighty, who is eternal. God the Son, Jesus, who came and lived the human life and walked about on earth to show us how to live. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And I'm sorry if I've told you this story before, but spaghetti. Ring a bell? I was 18 and I was making spaghetti. No one's heard the story. Good. It might come to you. Uh, I was 18 and I was making spaghetti, uh, which was a, really my cooking hasn't developed much beyond spaghetti, has it? Which generally involves some mince. And I'm just checking in with my wife here who's laughing now. Um, but some mince, you know, and, and a jar of sauce. I mean, and some spaghetti and a thing. So that's about my, my extent of cooking. But I was making spaghetti for my, uh, my flatmates at university, and I was 18 years old, and I was a new Christian. And all of a sudden, I understood in a new way what it meant when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Because Jesus is the way that we are to access all of this. God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we access it through Jesus. How? Because he showed us how to live in coming to earth, how we, we follow the example that he gave us. If we have a question, I used to wear uh, a wristband. Uh, some of you may have had these too. What would Jesus do? Uh, WWJD. Um, and uh, to think about how would Jesus behave or act in this particular situation? Uh, and so... Jesus is the way for us to follow, and the Holy Spirit is that real sense of God's presence with us as we sing Psalm 22, verse 3. I've been quoting a lot lately, the Lord inhabits the presence of his people, the praises of his people. So as we gather and we sing, uh, the Lord by the Holy Spirit is with us. And it doesn't matter whether you're in a church with a thousand people or in a church as we are with 20 or 30 or 40 people, depending on the week and who's shown up, the Holy Spirit is with us. And in fact, the Holy Spirit is here at morning prayer when there's two or three people here, or five people here. That sense of knowing that God is with us, a peace that is beyond understanding. And so we see God in Trinity showing the different characteristics, the different aspects of God, each of which may be for us and for those we know and love a way into understanding more of God. And there are times in our life, I think, when we may find, as I did when I was making spaghetti, that, that intellectually understanding how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and how I need to follow him more if I want to get closer to God and experience more of God in my life. Um, other times it might be the Holy Spirit. 49% uh, of people in British Columbia say they have no religious affiliation at all, which is the highest it's ever been. In truth, it's probably not the highest it's ever been. Probably it's just that people would lie on a census because they thought they had to say they were Anglicans. Um, do you know there's 10,000 Anglicans in Maple Ridge? To which you and I look around going, where are they? 
We spent years telling them they didn't have to come to church to be a Christian, and they can be a Christian wherever they are. And so they said, okay, thanks for that. Um, but it's true in all denominations. People will say they have a faith, and realistically, they're not necessarily practicing that faith. And so on this Trinity Sunday, um, I wonder for you um, which aspect of the character of God you find uh, the easiest to get your head around. And I'm going to suggest that as you pray, which I know you do, that our pews would be filled, not because they're people to fill pews, because they're people that God loves. As you pray for people you know and love, who you'd love to see come to know God more, it probably is the power of the Holy Spirit that, that is the part of the Trinity that we should be talking about a little more. Why? Because I bet you some of those people who say I have no religious affiliation um, would say, but I'm spiritual. And we can spend ages trying to explain how God is almighty. People can get wrapped up in the Old Testament and that can be a turnoff to reading the rest of the Bible because it's absolutely fantastic, but it takes some understanding as to how God behaved and why in that particular way and what justice is and, oh, that's a rabbit hole. Don't go there as an evangelist. Go there as a theologian. Go there as a disciple. As we talk about Jesus, people are interested in Jesus, definitely, but I think that they are probably, at the moment in time, the most interested in something they would call the Spirit. And we don't call the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, we say the Holy Spirit. Holy meaning of God, because we understand the Spirit is part of the Trinity, is part of God. It's not just a random spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And so um, as we pray for those we know and love, maybe we could pray that the Holy Spirit would be at work in their lives, even when they don't realize it. We pray that Jesus would be knocking on the door of their heart and they would hear and open to his message and his truth and his good news. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for this day as we get to uh, think about the Trinity. We thank you that you came to earth and lived a human life among us, that we may know the way to follow. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit coming alongside us, making us restless until we change. It was Augustine that said, my soul will not rest until it finds its rest in you. So Lord, help us as your disciples here to find our rest in you. Help us to be witnesses to the good news of God. A God who loves us, who loves the world, and longs to see all people drawn back to himself. Amen.